Welcome to Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. And thank you for joining me. Christians in Pakistan are under constant threat, you know, whether it's the blasphemy law where they're falsely accused of speaking against Islam, Muhammad, or the Quran, and face harsh punishments when convicted and possible death from mobs, even if they aren't. Christian girls and young women are often kidnapped and forced into Islam, and in many cases married to much older men. And other believers are tortured and killed for their faith in Jesus, especially if they're involved in Christian activities like sharing the good news of Jesus, or if they've left Islam to follow Jesus. Pakistan is number five on the Open Doors World Watch list of countries where it is most difficult to follow Jesus. And joining me to talk about the challenges and persecution facing Christians in Pakistan is Peter Paul. Peter is a pastor from Pakistan, now living in southern Ontario, where he leads the Asian Cornerstone Church in Mississauga. In 2020, Peter and his wife Jemima started Living Hope TV, and that channel features sermons, worship, Christian movies, documentaries, interviews, life-changing testimonies, and also youth and children's programs. The programs are in a number of different languages, including English, Urdu, Hindi, and Punjabi. Peter was very active in Christian ministry in Pakistan, but left the country with his family, and he felt it was just too dangerous to stay. Peter, welcome to Closer to the Fire. Good to have you on the program. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Such a wonderful time to talk about uh, persecution all over the world, and especially in Pakistan. Yeah, you know, it's not always easy to talk about these stories, and we're going to be sharing some current situations that are happening right now in Pakistan. But before we get to that, tell me about your story. You grew up in Pakistan. You were involved in ministry there. Tell me about some of the things that you were doing. When I was growing up in Pakistan, you know, I grew up in a Christian family, but uh, it was not easy for us to grow up in a Christian family because my father always teaches me when you are going to school, you should not talk about any religion. I see that people mocked us, uh, my friends even, oh, you are Christian, you believe in three gods. They called us uh, janitors. They said that uh, uh, infidel people, unclean people. And sometimes it was really heart uh, broken when you go out, you call them friends, but they don't eat with you. Mm. They said that because you are Christian and you are uh, you're not uh, pure, we are holy people, you are infidel people. So that really breaks our heart when we were growing up there. But so uh, as uh, we were growing there, we always think, we heard that uh, my name is Peter Paul. They said that, oh, why you are living in Pakistan and why your name is Peter Paul? So that was, uh, you know, a question always because they think I'm a Muslim uh, and uh, why I have a name. I said that my father gives me this name because I grew up in a Christian family. Right. Yeah, it's a Christian, Christian name. And in, yeah. you know, countries like Pakistan, you know, the name means everything, right? Yes, yes. And my father gave me name because he want his, me, me to recognize that who I am, my identity, my true identity that we are living in Christian. And in Pakistan, we are a two-person 
more than 2% minority. And uh, when I was growing up there, I always have in my mind fear, threat. I always see that insecurity. But also, my passion was to work there. I see so many cases there. I see uh, how Christian uh, women, they were threatened. But uh, when my wife and I, we got married in 1990 and we were serving with an organization, a Campus Crusade for Christ, and uh, where I was uh, posted in a very uh, difficult province, and they gave me a title, regional director for that, NWFP, Northwest Frontier Post, where majority of fundamentalist Muslim people lived there. Right, yes. You, you, uh, you have seen that, and... When we went there and the passion was that we wanted to uh, share a good news with those people who really wanted to hear. And I, this is what we were doing and we were running a Jesus project. Maybe you know that Jesus project was that uh, we were showing a 16mm uh, Jesus movie in different villages, different areas. And just to, just to give them an idea who Jesus is, you cannot convert people. You, you're just sharing the good news with them. And again, I think that's where, you know, these false charges, you know, you're trying to convert Muslims. Well, it's God that converts. We present the gospel. And of course, that's not always understood. But before we go on to, you know, talk about some of the challenges you faced in ministry, Peter, going into, you know, working with youth and in Christian ministry, you must have known that there would be some difficulty along the way, because again, you mentioned, you know, Pakistan has a very small Christian population. Uh, there's lots of violence against Christians, but yet you still went. Why did you do that? I thought that uh, they have a misconception because we, for Jesus and for Christian people, they think that we are Americans and we we have a religion, a Western religion. We just wanted to share the good news because uh, I grew up in a Christian home and this, where I learned to share the love of Christ. My passion was that we need to share the love of Christ, who Christ is. I cannot convert people there in any country or especially in Pakistan or India. The, my, my work is just to tell them who we are, mm -hmm. who Christ is. And that's the Holy Spirit work to change their heart. At least they should know because a lot of people, they don't know about Christ. A lot of people, they have a different perspective about uh, Christian people. They believe in three gods, etc., like this. So uh, I thought that this was my passion to educate my youth there because when they go to school, because I suffer uh, so many, uh, you know, uh, so much pain when I was in school and college. I see, I always discriminated by professors, by my friends and different people. Yes, there was good people too. I mean, I would not say a hundred percent, but majority of them was mostly fundamental. They see that we don't belong to Pakistan. We are strangers here. We born there, but they, they, they gave us a look like that we are not here. If we are living in Pakistan, we have to be a Muslim right. people. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal. So 
we wanted to share the gospel with them, the good news. It's not, we all are strangers on, on this earth. The plan is not just the Pakistan. The plan is who we are. My wife and I, we, this is how we started serving the Lord. What kind of results did you see? Because again, you're talking about a very difficult area, you know, with militant Islamists in that area, you know, so there's your safety. And then also those that are interested in becoming followers of Jesus, the risk is great. How do you balance that? Yes, we want people to know Jesus and have eternal life. But the reality is that persecution will come, especially as we've seen in our work with the Voice of the Martyrs around the world, those that face the most difficult persecution are often those that come from other faith backgrounds, and especially Islam. If we study Bible, the persecution was there. I mean, since Jesus started his ministry there on the earth, there was, I know that there will, there will be persecution, and we will face ultimately a persecution if what we are doing but the motivation was because we were parachurch organization and we were thinking that at least we should have to train disciples that they, when they are uh, working among uh, different areas, so they can share the, through their life, they can show the love of Christ. So the, you know, the organization we were working, so that was the challenge at least we should give them uh, opportunity once to hear the gospel, who Christ is. And what we were doing uh, through the seminars and through the, uh, we were having new life training center. That was a one month training course where we were teaching how to share the gospel for, with other faith. And this was not that we will convert them. It was to educate them how right. we can share uh, because, you know, when we went there, uh, there was a newspaper who actually printed a news. I will send you a copy of that. They said that uh, the Christian people, they, uh, they are converting and uh, 30,000 people have accepted Christ. And that was all fake because they were giving aggression to other people to, right. that they should uh, against us and kill us. And, that was the point where we starting thinking about that because we received a lot of threatening calls and I, uh, you know, the police came to my house and they, uh, they were searching what I'm doing. I said that uh, we are working with the church. I mean, we cannot convert our own brothers and sisters. That's right. I mean, we, uh, we are just sharing when, when people come and they talk about Bible, I cannot give them. And we talk, we don't talk against Quran. We don't talk uh, against uh, Holy prophet, their prophet. We don't talk about their anything, but when somebody asks you, you have to give them an answer, but that was uh, prohibited. I mean, a lot of people, they accepted Christ through the web TV and through internet. They watch and then they came to us and they said that uh, uh, why you are uh, changing uh, other people's life. You know what happened when 9-11 happened, uh, when Americans started bombing in, in Afghanistan, a lot of refugees came in um, Peshawar. 
And uh, we uh, extended as an organization a help to them. And when we were doing this, because when Americans started bombing uh, in Afghanistan for militant people who were doing, the Muslim, especially the fundamentalists, they gave Christian threat. If they are, bomb they are killing our brothers and sister, we will kill Christians here. And uh, at that time, uh, there was General Parvez Musharraf, who actually protected Christian. Uh, he sent the military, all the areas, and they, it was a really a great threat for churches because they said, you cannot eat your breakfast until you kill uh, infidel people, one. Yeah, no, and I remember, you know, during that time, you know, it was so difficult for Christians in any Muslim nation, but especially Pakistan and, you yeah. know, in Afghanistan and some parts even of India that we saw, and Bangladesh, of course, as well. So, Peter, you and your wife, Jemima, were involved in ministry in Pakistan from 1991 to 2002. Why did you finally decide that it was time to leave and come to Canada? because we receive a lots of threatening calls and uh, friends there, you know, where we were living in Peshawar, they asked me if you will stay here, uh, they will kill your, um, your wife, your sons. We were having two sons at that time. So I was worried about their life. Yeah. I was not worried about mine because I was working but when they, it came and, uh, to them and uh, my, fr my friends there, they said that once they, you are on their hit list, so it means they can kill you anytime. And at that time, you know, when I uh, thought, okay, this is the time I should move on because uh, crazy people, they can do anything. So I had to leave. It was by so I came here, but my heart was there. We wanted to do something for Christian people there because life there is very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing I just wanted to share with you, we were not converting people. We were giving them help right. through uh, medical help, food. We were giving them all refugee, all the help, whatever you name it. And thousands of refugees, we give them food bags, we give them, uh, uh, we give them medical help. And one thing I did, I, whenever we give them help, I always share the love of Christ. I said that why we are doing, because they were building hatred in their heart that uh, the Americans people are killing uh, Muslim people but they were not killing Muslim people. They were killing fundamentalist people, all the uh, terrorist people. So they were, they were building hate in their heart. So we try through the hell, we, we were giving them a hope. No, we Christian love Christ and Christ loves us. And he, he actually, this is a commandment, love your neighbor like yourself. So we love you. And this was the thing really triggered to them. Why I, I always uh, quoted Bible. Why I give reference from Bible. This is a not, this is a changed book. 
So that's why they came after me. You shared a lot of uh, gospel with Muslim people. Why you are doing this? You're converting people. And this is how uh, I was in great danger because they recognized me. I was on their television. They, and once you are famous there, what you are doing, some, it's, it's dangerous. I mean, and I was young. I was, I was about uh, 28, 30 years old at that time, more energetic. And I was thinking, oh, this is the time to share the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. Oh, they have misconception about Christ. Christ gives us this commandment, love your neighbor. You are our brothers and sister. We love you. We wanted to help you. So that was the thing uh, when uh, we were in more trouble. You know, and I have taught a course, uh, The Theology of Persecution and Discipleship, actually in Pakistan. And, you know, we're talking to a lot of pastors, interviewed them and had the privilege of even, you know, sharing the teaching from the book, The Shadow of the Cross from Glenn Penner about responding to persecution. And, you know, there's times to stay. Uh, there's times that we, you know, we can't leave. There's also uh, the courts, that is a possibility too. And then there's also times that we need to leave. And we see in the Bible, even the Apostle Paul, when he was under threat, uh, the believers got him out of town because, you know, felt that, I mean, eventually he would be martyred for his faith, but it just wasn't that time. And I know your heart, Peter, is that you, you didn't come to Canada just for, you know, you know, comfort and, you know, maybe more freedom. I know your heart uh, was in Pakistan when you were there and it is still there today. And I know that you're doing an amazing work and, and yeah, I mean, you're one of those people that have come to Canada and you haven't forgotten your people. And uh, that's why we love working with you at the voice of the martyrs and the friendship that we've had. And of course I've had the privilege of, you know, speaking in your church as well. And uh, personally, I'm glad you're in Canada um, developing the relationship and seeing what God has for us together. And by the way, as you're listening to this podcast, you may want to watch it later on because we do have uh, videos and photos of some of the people that we'll be talking about. Uh, we'll put a link on the podcast notes so you can click there and watch the video. A story that we've been following at The Voice of the Martyrs is a Christian man allegedly was killed by a group of militant Muslims for defending his sister's honor. His name is Arif Masi. He was kidnapped, beaten, poisoned, and abandoned on a street in Tariqabad, and that's a village in the province of Punjab. Now, earlier in that week, two young Muslim men had dragged Arif's sister, Rahana Bibi, onto the street, stripped her naked. Uh, you know, they were just trying to embarrass her and bringing shame. They had followed her home from a local store. They broke into her home and kidnapped her. Arif then confronted and fought with the two men and then filed a police report against Muhammad Tariq and Muhammad Majid. Now, in response, the accused men then began to threaten Arif to drop the complaint. Then three days later, they went to his home, kidnapped him and dumped his body on the street. He was taken to a hospital, but he did not survive the inflicted injuries. Now, initially, the police registered Arif's death as a suicide after taking statements from those allegedly responsible. And it was only after a demonstration of 300 Christians after the authorities changed the cause of death to murder. And despite the change in the charges, the two men accused of the murder have been released on bail. You know, Peter, these kinds of stories, unfortunately, are not uncommon. I mean, you have the crime that's committed. 
And then the police do nothing about it. In this case, because of the pressure from the Christians, the men were at least charged. We'll, we'll see if actually justice is done in this situation. But this is not an uncommon case. No, this is very, very uh, common there because uh, when they see a cases like this, they, they think that uh, we don't have value. They don't value Christian girls. They don't value Christian boys. They murdered them. And especially you go to police and when they know, oh, this is a case of Christian and they actually, he was trying to save uh, his uh, sister honor. And you know, when I, I, I know some cases when police know they disgrace women's too. And that was so sad. I mean, what happened? Because where when we are there, if you have money and you have power and uh, you give them bribe and you have bail and you can, you can go easily. But for our Christian people there, uh, because they are financially weak, they don't have power, they don't have approach. And when they go to police and police never take care uh, seriously. And this is the case here too. But it was a pressure, but I felt sorry about uh, Arif Masi, what happened and their family too. And you, know, you are there, but you cannot do anything. You know, Peter, I've been in Pakistan a number of times and I have, you know, interviewed many uh, Christian girls that have been raped and then they eventually do go to the police or their families, you know, will bring a charge or try to bring a charge against those that have done this. But then often they are abused even by the police officers. I mean, how can you function in a culture like that that is so against you? I mean, do many of the Christians even say, you know what, I'm going to just become a Muslim because it's just too hard? It happened, especially for Christian girls. It happened because I interviewed uh, many uh, Christian girls who actually converted. And they, uh, the, the ultimately, the idea was, I said, why you uh, accepted uh, the religion? They said that we have a lot of pressure. We, some were working in a bank and some were, uh, the one girl was uh, uh, working in a air PIA. So, but she said that I don't have any choice. I wanted to feed my family. What should I do every day? Uh, I threatened, and they said that if you don't marry me, uh, right. well, you will be killed, and uh, you will not have a job, and you will have a disgrace. They will disgrace you, and so this is this is normal there. I mean, I I would not say. When we hear this is normal there. So it's, it's so sad, especially country like Pakistan, because I, I know there are so many educated people, good people lives there, mm -hmm. uh, uh, very friendly people live there. But because of uh, these kinds of people, they, uh, when they use blasphemy, when they have, we have a naked, uh, I would say, uh, law. It's a blasphemy law. Because of that law, people, they have to listen to them because they know if we will say anything to them, they will say, oh, you are under blasphemy. Yeah, that blasphemy law, which was supposed to at one time protect 
all people of all different kinds of religions. And of course, when Pakistan became an Islamic nation, then it was used to anybody that would, you know, come against Islam or at least perceived that way. And so, so we talk about the blasphemy law. So back in April, there was Miriam Lal and Navisha Rouge. Uh, they were directed by a senior nurse uh, to clean up the walls at the civic hospital in Faisalabad, Pakistan, by removing some wall hangings and stickers that they found. But when the Christians did as they were told, they were then accused of desecrating all the hangings containing verses from the Quran. And now these two nurses, Peter, have been formally charged with blasphemy against Islam. You know, in a case like this, where these nurses were ordered to do something, and then we'd find out later on that the head nurse actually had something against one of the ladies, and they were set up. I mean, it's one thing when you're accused of blasphemy, if maybe you did say something against the Quran or Muhammad or the Islamic religion, but in this case, they were set up. And, and again, this is not uncommon of some of the things that are going on there. I, you know, what I when a uh, few months back when we hear this news, this was not very uh, unusual thing for us because they always set it up. They set it up this kind of a case. They know what they are going to do that. I see, you know, people who are actually in a good position in a government offices, in different uh, sectors, they have a spirit of jealousy, you know, the, especially the people who are working. Some are good, some are bad. But some people say, why this infidel person is in this seat? We have to, there should be a one Muslim, uh, Muslim should take over this. They use this kind of, uh, uh, this kind of a situation like, uh, you know, Mariam Lal and Navish Aruj. So they, they were just asked to remove that. So you, when you go uh, a story, when you dig this story, you see a lots of jealousy. You see the man who was actually um, asking, who actually uh, attack the one of their girl and with the knife. Yes, uh, he was having a hatred because he asked her to have a in relationship uh, with him, and uh, she refused because she was Christian girl and she was she has a strong faith. But they inside they planned this, and now still they both are in behind bar and no. Can you imagine that since April, and now they no nothing is uh, happening there, and they are still under blasphemy law. And you know, recently what happened in Pakistan, one of their assembly, they were fighting one another, and they were throwing papers like this. They were throwing papers, and on that papers, it's written Quranic verses. And those Quranic verses, they were just running. And uh, someone mentioned that, can you imagine that if this thing, any Christian uh, was doing, so what would happen with us? But they are doing, it's a double standard, I would say. They don't care what they do, but uh, they take... It was a sticker. They were just scratching because they were told to do that. And they didn't throw that sticker. It was in their hand. And can you imagine that? 
It, it is How? hard to imagine that, Peter. And, and, yes. and even when we hear stories of Asya Bibi, of course, a very well-known story, uh, yes. you know, she was insulted because they wouldn't drink from her cup. And yes. she may have said something. I mean, we all are human beings and we want to make a defense. Uh, but yes. even at that, it, it just goes way over the top. You know, so these ladies, eventually they are charged. And then when the word gets out, there's this mob and they're going to kill them. It's not they're not even waiting for the truth to come out. Do they get just get they've been radicalized? And then, the, you know, somebody gets them all worked up. And if it wasn't actually for the police taking them to the police station, they probably would have been killed. And we've heard many of these stories where the Christian women, you know, rebuff these men who want to have a relationship with them. And then they're, you know, murdered or charged with blasphemy or they're raped. I mean, this goes on and on. I mean, Peter, how do you stay you know, positive in the sense of, okay, I just want to give up. I mean, some people would just say, I, I, I can't take this anymore. I don't want to even think about it. Why do you still stay engaged with what's happening in Pakistan when you hear these horrible stories? We wanted to educate our brothers and sisters there. We wanted to help them. That is how we started different projects there, because there are so many innocent girls who actually, they, they do a domestic work when they go uh, in their home for cleaning, for um, cooking or anything they hire, they, they are under threat. So we wanted to educate them. That's my heart. I mean, we, we cannot leave our brothers and sister in that uh, furnace. We have to help them, those who are living in under persecution, because they, what they are doing, because they don't have an education, you know. The, we wanted to educate them uh, with Bible and other, uh, you know, we wanted to teach them. So uh, this is how we started their different projects, because we thought that uh, we are here. Yes, the quality of life is here better, but their people are very poor. They're hungry. They have to work. And when they go, they do, the, especially the young girls, they do the domestic work. They go in um, different homes, do some uh, domestic work. So they are abused every day, but they cannot open their mouth because uh, they don't have uh, money. And police, they are with the majority people. But I believe that uh, God has given us a passion to help Pakistani church, persecuted church. And we are helping different churches there with the help of different churches and pastors and with the help of, uh, you know, recently we started a partnership with the voice of the martyr too. And uh, we thought that we need to move on. You cannot stop enough is enough, but until we have breath, we need to help our brothers and sisters because this is the only way to educate them, help them, guide them, lead them because what's happening here. They need encouragement. Yes. They need some that uh, some people are praying for them. Some countries are praying for them. Yes, of course, no, not everybody can come to America, Europe, or best countries to live. But we need to pray for uh, the government. We need to pray for the leaders. We need to pray for police. You know, God, God can raise uh, good people there so people can have... Uh, Good life there too.
You know, it's so troubling, you know, when you hear of these uh, young women, you know, uh, being raped and abused, and then you've got, you know, these young Christian girls that are kidnapped, they're forced into Islam, and then married to much older men who may already have families. And so last October, Arzu Raja, she was abducted from her home. A neighbor had seen her in the neighborhood and decided that he wanted to have her as a wife. He already had children, already had a wife. And so he forcibly converted her to Islam. Uh, she then was forced to marry him, just 13 years old. And then the following month, the court actually ordered that her age be determined and verified. Uh, but in the in interim, she was taken to a shelter. You have to be 18 uh, to get married without you know, the parents uh, being involved in approving of that. And then a court nullified her marriage and uh, determined that she was, in fact, too young to marry. And then she was asked if she wanted to return home or go to the shelter. And she said neither. And uh, so the court actually then did order that she be taken to the shelter for her protection and education. And uh, those who knew Arzu, uh, you know, were permitted to go see her if she said that they could. Uh, certainly the kidnapper was not allowed to. Now, the kidnapper, Sayad Ali Azar, was charged then with sexual assault of a minor. So that's good news on that. Uh, the marriage efficient, the two witnesses and two lawyers that were involved in falsifying this marriage, uh, they've also been charged. So again, there's some good news in that, Peter. But again, this yeah. is a situation where this young girl and, you know, I was reading stories about uh, her and then her mother would talk about how, you know, they would have tea at night. She was just a young 13 year old girl. And now she doesn't want to return home. Uh, probably has been threatened that if she does say anything or does go home that she in fact could be killed so i mean these are situations where uh the families are traumatized not only by their daughter being kidnapped but then the mental anguish and the emotional uh things that have happened to them are hard to return from yeah it's very heartbreaking when in october when we were involved in this story and uh, every day we were just listening what's mm -hmm. happening and especially the 13 years old girl and i came to know uh, through the you know people the area people who were living there who was directly involved with the family helping them and i uh, you know came to know that because of the parents they were working and uh, the young girl, she was just uh, at home all the time and she was, uh, uh, you know, playing in a street and how that uh, older man, especially Saeed Ali Azhar, who actually brainwashed her and uh, just to offer good stuff and attract her. You can imagine that, uh, how the evil works. Yes. And then uh, when he abducted, they actually brainwashed her and through threatening, through different, different uh, things. And she was just saying that uh, she's good, she's happy, but she was not. No. And now you, this, is, this is, I would say this is very common because to meet an end there, Husband and wife, they have to work together. And imagine that in Pakistan, especially majority people, uh, the Christian people, they don't get good jobs. So they have to go out. And sometimes they don't have a facility where they keep their children, uh, daycare or wherever. 
So this young girl was the, one of the case because of, uh, she was brainwashed and imagine 13 years old. And you know, you don't hear, we, we don't hear anything else. She's still living in, uh, in, un, under that threat and they're waiting when she will be 18, uh, what, what she will decide. She wanted to continue to go uh, accept Islam or because that was the case also, because she said, they said that they, uh, she accepted Islam. She wanted to practice Islam. She loved Islam. <laughs> So oh, that's yeah. that's really sad. Yeah, and I mean, and so she goes to court, and then she's not able to even speak to her parents. I mean, again, the yeah. you talk about the brainwashing and the threats. I'm, right. I, I can't imagine. I have three daughters, and this has been yeah. something that has really been intensely on my heart. And and maybe it's because I have daughters, and I've seen though. Uh, the results of of these horrible, horrible situations. And, you know, the Bible's pretty clear that if you're persecuting a believer in Jesus, you're actually persecuting Jesus. These people in their religious fervor or the, the fact that they think they're better than the Christians, or as they call them, infidels, they can do anything they want with them. I mean, it is so disheartening. And I understand why many of these people want to get out of the country and have some safety. And again, that's just not the reality for most of our brothers and sisters. And then another yeah. case that I've been following and praying a lot about happened in October of 2019, 14-year-old Huma Yunus, uh, she was kidnapped yeah. from her home, again, forcibly uh, converted to Islam and then married her kidnapper. And then, you know, since that abduction, her parents you know, I've been working, trying to get her back, uh, you know, annul the marriage, uh, because again, it, it's forbidden under Pakistani law that you have to be 18 uh, to be married if you don't have parental permission. And if you're younger than that, you have to have your parents uh, have to approve of that. And then court hearings have been previously delayed. And according to the lawyer representing the family, Huma has actually been able to make contact with her family. And the reports at, at that time, about a year ago, that she was pregnant, we have now heard that she has actually had a child. So those rumors were actually true. Uh, she was actually asked by her family if she could leave. She said she couldn't. She was being confined to this room, that she was being assaulted. Again, Peter, we see these injustices taking place. Not only the trauma that the, you know, the family and, of course, the girl herself, Huma, has undergone, but then the threats and they can't return home. Uh, I mean, how do we get involved in these kinds of situations? Is there anything that we can do? When we see the rights there, like uh, these cases which we are discussing there, as a Christian, when we are living in Pakistan, you don't have any rights. The thing when Pakistan came to an existence, we were not minority. We, we were having equal rights. If you see, if you listen the speech, but right now we are minority there. The, the powerful, powerful people, they rule there. But we need to pray. We need to involve uh, governments. We need to go involve government officials and especially the good organizations. Yeah. They need to talk about what's happening there. They need to show them it's, it's not just common. It's every day. It's every day matter. So that's, that's really so sad because we are living here. 
and you cannot do anything for them. Just pray. And we can, what we can do, we help them financially sometime and uh, different people. But every day you cannot do anything because we need to change the laws of these countries, especially uh, this law. Because under that law, many people are persecuted. We are not against this law. Uh, I am clear of, uh, on that. But I'm, I don't have any personal harm that uh, this law, but many fundamentalists and mischievous people, they use this kind of a law, 295A, B, C, just to threaten people, the Christian people and Hindu people. And Christians are more persecuted there right now. When you are growing there, increasing, if your daughter is beautiful, whether she is 13 years old, 14 years old, they don't care. They or just even in some cases, you. if they're married, even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they marry. And they, they said that, no, she's, a, like you said, the Huma. She, now she's having a kid. Just imagine that. Oh, just, just think about, we, we feel sorry about the parents. And, and we pray, God, open their heart, open their mind. And you know why people are leaving Pakistan? Why they don't want to live here? What's the reason? You know, we don't want to come uh, here. We wanted to live there, so many people. But because of their law and security, judiciary system, they are not working. They are not in favor of Christian. They always give a favor, even if they want to help a Christian people, but they are afraid of their uh, life too. Like, uh, you know, uh, Suleiman Tasir, you know that uh, mm -hmm. the incident happened a few uh, ten, almost ten years back. All yeah, ten, eleven years back. He he was passionate about Asia Bibi, and he when he met, he said that this is a black law. It should be. He he, he didn't say that it should be cancelled. He said it should be amended because many people they are abusing, they are using this law. But what happened? His own bodyguard killed him. And imagine what uh, the same, the, when he killed him, a lot of people, they started worshiping that man. Oh, he's the man. They, they were feeling honored that he killed the blasphemer. So the country yeah. like Pakistan, uh, you know, the Christian people, everyday life is misery. Because uh, one, one other thing I wanted to mention you, you in Pakistan, you cannot open your businesses. Because you cannot open your restaurants. If you are in a Christian area, that's okay. People will buy you. But if you are outside, oh, they said that, oh, no, it's infidel. We, mm. You should not go there. We, they are unclean people. So imagine you cannot do business there. You cannot have a, a good, uh, I mean, good jobs. Yes, people are getting good jobs, but they are living under threat. Their desire is whenever they get chance, they have to leave, not that because of the death threat, because of the blasphemy. This is, they wanted to raise their kids. So this is really sad. Yeah, you know, they just get worn down over time and then they don't see any future for their children. You know, in the case of, you know, Huma, you know, just to kind of finish yeah. up on that one, uh, yeah. Abdul Jabbar, who is the man that had kidnapped her, uh, his brother is actually in a member of the armed forces and the yes. brothers threatened the lives of Huma's family. 
stating that he would kill anyone who tries to stop them. And then Jabbar's lawyer is just using every kind of possible means to delay the court proceedings. And if the decision is delayed up to three years, it will likely mean that it will be dismissed when Huma turns 18. Again, the injustice, uh, you know, unless we have an eternal perspective, we would just want to give up. And I, and I think that the challenge too, Peter, is that there's so many things going on in our world, you know, the pandemic, uh, you know, we now in Afghanistan, of course, is, is a mess uh, all over the world. There's so many challenges, China and Russia, uh, that Pakistan sometimes gets forgotten, but God doesn't forget. And that's the thing that we need to continue to remember. So, Peter, we're doing a partnership now with you, uh, with the Voice of the Martyrs Canada. Tell me more about that. Well, uh, we are grateful because in this pandemic, uh, we started this project in 2008. My wife has a passion, uh, work, and those ladies, especially who for who are not educated, they go, uh, they do domestic work. We thought that if we will give them fish, they will eat. We need, we need to teach them how to fish. So we, uh, we started a project in 2008 at Sewing Center with the help of different churches. And when they completed one year diploma courses, we hire their, uh, uh, you know, skilled teachers those who can teach them. And after one year, we give them a diploma so, and a machine. We give them as a gift. So when they, are, uh, when they go back, they can earn their living. They don't have to go out. So it was one of the projects uh, we started, uh, the, you know, with the voice of martyr uh, um, in this year, since May. We are grateful that God has given us a uh, you know wonderful partnership. And right now, uh, you know, when I was looking, almost uh, four uh, and five sewing centers in different areas we are running. And because of uh, the pandemic, some were um, it was not uh, it was difficult to continue. We give them a one month break because. The government said that you cannot move, you cannot travel, but uh, it's going on. But we are teaching them uh, skill and uh, we are giving them uh, sewing machines. And we are praying that uh, God gives us a hope center where we keep those girls who have not, not their home so we can keep them, train them. And we are helping them also uh, in marriages too. Uh, you know, if they don't have uh, anything, we help them uh, in their money or dowry, you understand, yes. something to give them. So, you know, I, I would not say we are not a big church, but uh, we are helping them with the help of different partners and partners like Voice of the Martyr and others, our church members and friends who really have a passion for Christ. Because we really have a heart for these girls and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important. And, you know, I, we can look at the big picture and say, there's just so much need, but all of us can do something, you know, yeah. as the Lord directs. I mean, that's the thing that we need to remember. You also have a television 
ministry, a satellite TV that's going through the internet into Pakistan and other places. Tell me just a little bit about that. And before we go, we're going to pray and I want you to lead us sure. in prayer. But just tell me a little bit about uh, the television ministry. In 2009, God gave me a vision and the, the vision was the ground forces are important, but air forces are more important. So my wife and I, we started uh, Zindao Mead program. And in fact, uh, one of your cameramen from Huntley Street, Dennis Curley, who helped us uh, uh, help my son uh, in taping and uh, teaching in editing. So he was very passionate when he uh, heard us that what we wanted to, and Nazar Shaheen, yeah. Um, who helped uh, lend a camera. So it was all by faith. We wanted to do record a half an hour program. So God sent all people together and we started five years. We did that half an hour program, Nordu, Hindi and Punjabi. And that was on uh, Grace TV channel, which was actually all over Canada, mm -hmm. uh, all over cable channel. But uh, in 2015, we, uh, we were not having enough funds to care, continue. Then we had to stop. But the pain was still there. We thought that we need to air. And by the grace of God, YouTube was there <laughs> at that time. So we started putting our programs on YouTube. So people should not be, uh, you know, boundary that they can watch only four o'clock. They have their own timing. They can go to YouTube and they, when they search Urdu sermons and Punjabi, so they can search us. So in 2020, when I came back, that was, uh, I, we were in Pakistan in 2019 for a different reason, like a ministry reason. When we came back, this pandemic happened. And I was thinking how we can, uh, share the word of God all over the world because I came to know almost 1 billion people speaks Urdu and Hindi. Imagine. So there are a lot of hungry and thirsty people. They wanted to hear the word of God uh, in their own language. And I know that Bible say every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. And how this will happen? Because when you present culturally gospel toward uh, people, they understand more. Oh, this is what it means. Sometimes you study English Bible and at the same time you read Urdu Bible. Oh, you understand. Oh, this means this. Mm -hmm. Because language and culture really make uh, impact. And I always say, brother, the Bible came from East. Yes, and, it did. Uh, <laughs> and we, we understand more culturally, <laughs> you know, what, the, what does it mean? What they wanted to say? I know that. So that was the passion uh, for me and Jemima and my son, Ayub, who is actually uh, helping full time here in Living Hope TV. We thought that we are on IPTV. We are on, um, we have a new app because not everybody is using uh, now in these days television, people use app. So Living Hope TV is on app, 24 hour live you can watch, you can download sermons, different pastors, and we invite uh, different pastors, whether they speak English, Urdu, Hindi, and do partnership with us. 
So help us to, we wanted to give them a good material all over the world. So we are on Jadu TV, we are on Amazon, we are on Apple TV, we are on, uh, uh, you know, different, all the internet uh, channels right now people are watching. So they can go live, Living Hope TV, they can watch us anytime. So yeah, I just, this, yeah, I just have to Google. I was just going to say, just have to Google it, and we will put the link to the website on on the show notes. Yeah, go ahead, Peter. Yeah, so it's Living Hope TV, uh, and they can download the app, Android cell phone, and Apple cell phone, so they can watch there too, an iPad, and uh, so they can Google. So the idea is. I came to know there are a lot of people are watching this because when you're sitting and when people see the internet ch channel and they see, Oh, living hope, what is living hope? Because everybody need hope in this world. They sure do. When, so, so they, they hear good preachers. They are preaching. They hear uh, gospel in their own language, Zabur or Psalms. And they, you know, I hear so many testimonies. So people who are connected from United States, from Australia, from Dubai, from uh, others area. And they said that, oh, we watch your channel. And thank you very much for feeding us a Bible in our own language. You know, also too, you know, we have friends that, you know, speak, you know, Urdu, Punjabi, Hindi. And we're trying to explain the gospel to them and we're struggling a little bit, but we can yes. point them to Living Hope TV, Peter. And it's another way that we can help people to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. You guys are doing an amazing work. Again, I'm going to put the information on the uh, show notes on this podcast. But before I leave, Peter, I want to spend some time in prayer to pray for Pakistan. Um, we've talked about a lot of things uh, you know, as people have been listening, they may feel a little bit heavy because, you know, of some of the things that we've shared. They're hard things to share, but we need to hear about them. But we're not without hope. Jesus hears our prayers. So, brother, will you lead us in prayer? Yes. Thank you very much. Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity. We, we can talk about our brothers and sisters who are living in persecution every day. Lord, we pray together. You are the one who can send your angel and protect them, Lord. We need your guidance when we are working there. There are millions of people who are under pressure, living in a furnace every day, living in a threat in Pakistan every day. And we don't have a courage, Lord, because of their law. Because of, uh, uh, we, we, we sometimes think they are very strong. A lot of people, they take stand, and but uh, because of their law, they have to keep quiet. But Lord, we know that Holy Spirit can change their heart. Holy Spirit, help us, give them courage, comfort them, bless them today, Lord especially these cases, especially those parents who are missing their daughters. Lord, I pray for them. Help them. Give them justice. Help them like you did in Asia BB case, Lord. 
We want release. There are so many other people who are under threat and they are living under blasphemy case. But we pray that raise those people who could be their voice and their release. Change these kind of things, Lord, situations so they can live peacefully. Lord, we pray that uh, the people should see the real face of Jesus in Pakistan. Love, passion, because Jesus loved Pakistani people. Jesus love our Muslim brothers and sisters. Lord, they should see your love. I rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ, spirit of hatred or envious spirit. And thank you for this program, Lord. Through these programs, when people hear different stories, Lord, raise the passion so they can pray for Pakistan and persecute a church all over the world. They could be a help. They could be a voice for them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Brother Peter. Appreciate you and your family and all the work that you're doing. And, and we've become friends over the years. And I, I love the body of Christ and its diversity. Uh, you know, we come from different cultures. Uh, we have different understandings of things. But we do you know, unite under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing that we can do. So we'll be continuing to pray for you and your family and, and the work that you're doing in Mississauga, Ontario, and literally around the world. God bless you, brother. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for giving me opportunity. As you said that uh, we all are kingdom worker. Mm -hmm. We are, we have, short time we need to share the good news our candle is burning and we have little time but uh, we we are not hopeless we are hopeful hopeful god is going to help us thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to talk well i appreciate your time and uh, again all that you're doing you know and as you've been listening to this program and uh, you know we call it closer to the fire and I say, you know, as we close the program, the closer you are to Jesus, the closer you are to the fire. And that certainly is the case in Pakistan. 